Welcome to another episode of Jesse I Interviews, once again coming to you from the lands of the Wurundjeri and Boon Wurrung people of the Kulin Nation, now known to the world as Melbourne, Australia. I want to acknowledge from the start that this always has been and always will be Aboriginal land, and I want to pay my respect to the First Nation people of this land and of all lands. This episode features an artist who I think of as one of the greatest living legends of the music, Freddie McGregor. This is another one from what was my second ever trip to Jamaica back in 2003 when I travelled with a group of friends and fellow reggae fans from Melbourne. In particular in this, you can hear the voices of Russ Crucial, fellow selector and my partner in Chantdown Sound, and Ranking Yoni, who many listeners will know from his time on Melbourne Radio or from his vinyl reissue label TRS, Top Ranking Sound. For this podcast, I'm presenting all the interviews raw and unedited, and I'm even including the time before and after the official interview when the tape was running. In this instance, you can hear Yoni ask about Freddie's studio at the end and his recordings for the producer Joe Gibbs. You can also hear a lot of sugarcane noise in this recording, cane being cracked and stripped and slurped. Freddie was actually a really nice host. We recorded this interview on his balcony after he gave us a full tour of his garden. He proudly showed us his cages of pigeons and his sweet sop and sour sop trees, amongst other things. It started to rain at one point, and because we were outside, it got very loud, so I've removed a section of that, as well as when he took personal phone calls a couple times, but otherwise, this is the full interview. Before we get into it, I just want to mention that I've started a Patreon to help cover the costs of the podcast, mainly the hosting. If you're unfamiliar with Patreon, think of it as a form of sponsorship of the podcast, membership options ranging from $2 US up to 11 I'm obviously not expecting to get rich from this. As I've told people for many years, if I was trying to make money from music, I wouldn't have chosen reggae, but it would be good to at least break even. So if you've been digging the podcast so far and you're in a position to chip in a little, please do so. You can find the page at www.patreon.com forward slash jesse underscore i underscore interviews. I'll post it up in the show notes as well. If you can't contribute, don't stress, just keep listening. Ultimately, this is just a labor of love for other people who share my passion for this music. But please leave me a positive review if you can and help spread the word if there are other people you know who might be interested in hearing this sort of stuff. So with that said, let's do it. Jesse I interviews Freddie McGregor, Havendale, Jamaica, 2003. Intro like it's um like it's going to air live. Just go for it. We're good to go. Right. Good to go. So right now I'm in the hills above Kingston with one of the legends, true legends of reggae music, Freddie McGregor. Thank you very much for joining us here on Chantdown Babylon. Yeah, my respect, man. Welcome to Jamaica. I give thanks. And we just had a, a great little uh, introduction, a little tour around the garden and checking out all the trees, <laughs> all the bananas and. Uh, Everything you have here, you've obviously got a lot of natural fruits and stuff around you. Mm, yeah, that's the kind of vibe up here, you know. That's why we create great music up here too. And um, in a little while I'll be able to show the studio too, mm. you know, take care of here. So, yeah, this is where it's at. It's called Haven Deal too, so it's blessed, you know. Well, I always like to start my interviews at the beginning to see where an artist has come from. So if you could tell us a little bit about where you were born, what life was like for you growing up as a youth, and wow. your family and everything. Yeah, I w- yeah, of course they'll understand that too. Um, okay, we're in Kingston, but I, I was born in a parish called Clarendon, which is probably about 50 miles south of here, um, south-west. South and um, there's not a lot there in terms of industry and stuff, um, and not a lot in terms of farming either. 
to Swanham parishes, we have backside, right. and there's a, a big um, backside plant there. Other than that, it's our sugar cane. Right. Um, Coco tea lives around the corner from from myself, Everton Blender, not too far away either. Hence the name Clarendonians. Right. So that's where it all came from, you know, from Clarendon. Started out with the Clarendonians when I was seven. When you were seven? Yeah. I came to Kingston and um, recorded my first thing at Coxon Studio when I was seven. Seven, seven years, years old. old, yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> you thought like, Little John like, must have been the first, or, like nine or something. No, nah, man. Little John, Little John come way, way around the line. Um, yeah, man. Seven, I recorded my first song. It's called Why Did You Do It? It's a Saskatoon right. with Fitzy and Freddie. And Fitzy is Ernest Wilson. Because right. his name is Ernest Fitzroy Wilson. Right. And Ernest is one of the Clarendonians. So that was my first song. From then on, it just never stopped. Never stopped recording. And just kept going on and on and on, moving from strength to strength. And this year is my 40th year right. in music. And you still look pretty young to have well, 40 years in the business. Yeah, well, time. except I started at seven, right. <laughs> so it's all my life, you know. How does a seven-year-old come to record a song? Like what led to um, start singing? I created a song in my village called Roll Dumpling Roll. Right. You know, dumpling is made out of flour and a staple Jamaican diet. Yeah. So I made up a song called Roll Dumpling Roll. If you want to know how dumpling sweet, dip it into coconut oil. So that song became popular in my community and people used to give me three pence because it was pound shilling and pence back then. Right. People used to give me three pence to sing the dumpling song. So Ernest and Peter heard about this little kid who could sing and have this dumpling song. And so we started parring because you know, they live close by. We all live in the same vicinity. So started going to their rehearsals, listening into them. And I started boring my way into, I mean, a few lines and harmony and they didn't mind it. So. Obviously, I wasn't that bad, yeah. and so it just kept on and on until we became really close. And so, when they were ready to go into Kingston to do a recording session at Coxon Studio One, they took me with them, right. and that's how it all started. And what was that like for you at the time? Um, it was like like a dream, because yeah. here I am from the country, listening to all these great artists: Alton Ellis, Ken Booth, um, <laughs> Leroy Sibley's Gaylords, Bob and the Bob Marley and the Wheelers. Um, Alton Ellis, I'd say Jackie Mitu, the Scatterlights, Dan Drummond, all the great people were there. Yeah. And you know, you're listening to, to these people on radio, and one day suddenly, here I am in the same studio with them. And of course, everybody was fond of me, and everybody asked me to sing the dumpling song quickly, sing that dumpling tune, mash up the place. So I became everybody's friend. So. If Jackie Mitu wanted a pack of cigarettes, I said, Little Freddie, go buy a pack of cigarettes and keep the change. Right. Or Dan Jumans would say, go buy a soft drink and buy one for yourself. Right. Something like that. So I became the only run and everybody loved me. And so started recording and then Mr. Dad himself, because Coxon Studio One was, I, I would imagine, the equivalent to Motown in, in America. Right. It was the same vibe. All the greatest singers and players of instruments were there. And I guess Motown was the same. So, you know, after a while, Mr. Dad, the owner of Studio One, he took me on and, and, and had me living at his house. Right. Yeah, so I lived at Mr. Dad's house with, with his wife and his children for about two years. Right. And then he boarded me out to a school on Hagley Park Road called St. Andrew Junior High. Okay. And boarded me out with a Christian family. 
at that point because I came from country, my parents were still in the country. Here yeah. we are in Kingston, yeah. started regarding. But Mr. Dad must have seen the talent there, you know. Mm. And he nurtured me and he believed in me, still do. And we managed to keep recording, recording until 1975. I joined a, a band called, no, it was 1972, I joined a band called Generation Gap Band. Okay. And Generation Gap Band became a popular dance and show band around Jamaica. We played just about every venue from high school, nightclubs, graduation balls, so you name it, we would play them. And having doing that as a singer, it really helped to propel my vocals um, for days like today in terms of the training. Because what we used to have to do is whatever our top 40 was, that's what we did. Right. Whether it was Mighty Sparrow for Soka, or it was the Spinners or the OJs or it doesn't matter what it was, the blue magic or stylistics, we would have to do those songs. So you do them and you try to do them as good or even try to better them. So that really helped to build my vocal ability. But the key thing for me is that I never stopped recording. I was always recording because I knew that was the only way to create an identity. You know, so people would hear this voice and recognize this voice. Yeah. And you know, at the time Dennis Brown was, was everything. I mean, if you was a kid, you had to sound like Dennis Brown. So it was somewhat difficult to carve out an identity, so to speak. But with constant recording, it eventually worked, and things started to turn around. And um, it was in 19, in about early 70s, late 60s, 70s, I started recording some tracks and some of Mr. Dad's finest studio one rhythms, namely Bobby Babylon, I Don't Know, Bandulo, um, so many tunes, if I start to name them, crazy amount of tunes. Rastaman Camp, Rastaman Revolutionist, you name it. I was recording, trying to find the right song, in a come now, sister. And every time you think, um, this song went bust up the place, it never happened, and the frustration starts setting in. And Mr. Dad always remind me, you know, he said, Jackson, just don't get frustrated. When it's your time, nothing can stop you. Just be patient. And I always remember those words, too. I was stuck with it, you know, continued, continued until... Bobby Babylon came out in 1980, and that kind of set the pace. And so I first went to England in about 1981, and it was magic from there on. Um, I didn't realize how popular my material was in England and Europe at the time. As while I thought it wasn't happening in Jamaica, it was happening underground. It was getting big in Europe. So when I first went to England, I was really surprised to see the kind of popularity. And David Radigan did the first interview with me, and from there on, it, things just took off in a big way. Um, right after that, I made an album with Linval Thompson. My first breakaway from Coxon was with Niney, the Observer. Um, Niney was the one who got me to record an album with him. And we recorded an album called Mr. McGregor. Walls of Jericho, Zion Chant, Jackie and Count and I. Um, do good and good will follow you. And that album really went well in England and that was the first time I went to England. Right. And imme immediately after that, Linval Thompson right. came through with the Big Ship Project. Yep. So that, the album for Observer, that's one that Heartbeat reissued as... Yeah, it's as been reissued a couple of times yeah, yeah. under different names. Zion right. Chant is one of the names. Yep. And then Linval Thompson would be the Big Ship? L Linval Thompson came through and Linval and I, we, we produced an album called Big Ship, yeah. which turned out to be Big Ship. And that album took off in a big way in every country, I'd say, that reggae music was played. And from there on, um, I just really never looked back. I just kept rolling on and on. And 
You know, we're hanging in there. Um, just this year, my last album was nominated for a Grammy earlier this year. Is that signature? A signature. Yeah. And I've already had a new album come out in England now. It's called If Your Heart Is Willing on Jetstar. Right. And that's doing extremely well in Europe at the moment. So we're just hanging in there doing what we do best, which is making good music, yep. as I know it. Mm -hmm. What was it like for you? Um, you've sort of taken the story there up to the to the early '80s with the Big Ship album. It, it seems to me that reggae music in the '80s, middle of the '80s, took a downturn, in, in particularly in terms of the consciousness mm -hmm. of the music, and with all the digital rhythms coming in, a lot of the roots seem to have been lost. What was it like for you during that time? Um, if you notice, what I did was I made a series called Jamaican Classics Volume One, Two, and Three, because at the time the DJ music became very dominant and while some of it was potent and nice um, a lot of it didn't make sense and was very derogatory and so um, one has to be careful how you release new material at certain times because it could easily get lost within the system yeah. of, of songs and you lose a good product so I chose to make an album called Jamaican Classics at the time and the idea seemed to be a great one and we released the album and Let Him Try became a, a big hit and the album took off big time and um, Japan immediately requested a volume two and we did a volume Japan. two yes right. and I Was Born A Winner became the big single from that CD and I personally didn't want to make a volume three because I wanted to get back to, to writing you know yep. but they demanded a volume three and we did it and um, from there on, it was back to original. Of course, we'd have, we've had uh, quite a number of albums since yep. um, Jamaican Classics. We've had Push On, we've had Masterpiece, we've had Signature, yep. we've had um, Anything For You, and we have Artists Willing. Yep. So what do you think about the state of reggae music in Jamaica today? The state of reggae music is, um, the music itself is potent, just the same. Um, but the, I would say to you that the, the media has killed the music somewhat. The media? Yeah. In that, well, there has to be changes. You, you, cannot, you cannot give away what is truly the cultural base of your country. And I think what contributes to it is a lot of young, young kids have gone into journalism and into radio and kids who do not necessarily have the knowledge of our music right. kids who readily accept what they know today but it's also very important to know what happened yesterday True. and that will give you a better perspective of where we should be going tomorrow yeah. so the kids have stopped to dance all, what we call dance all music because I also have a problem with that too Right. Because one firstly has to define dancehall music. What is dancehall music? Right. And um, my answer to that question would be dancehall is a place where people go and you dance to music. It's a dance hall. Yep. You go and you dance to music. What is played in the dancehall is a variety of, of, of different music. Yeah. R. Kelly is played in the dance hall, Bob Marley, Freddie McGregor, Dennis Brown, Barry Salmon, Buju Bantan, Capleton, um, Being a Bounty, everybody's played in the dance hall. Um, if you're talking about the music now, you'd have to, you'd have to rename the music. 
that goes with that particular kind of sound. Because, for example, Barry Salmon has a track. I wanna live without you. Said everything would be fine. And Bujo, they're on the same rhythm. And Bujo say, who said that big man don't cry? So which one is dancehall and which one is reggae? Good question. You know, just one second, yeah. please. Yes, sorry about that. That's fine. So, what was I telling you? Talking now? about um, like Barry's and Yeah, which so which one would be the dancehall? And let's say again now. Um, we know all the hot DJs that, are, that, that, that is around at the moment, right? Yeah. Um, but Sizzler is a dancehall artist as well. Mm. Sizzler have the biggest album right now. Yep. That we can call dancehall. But there's no jump up music on there. That's right. It's all article, hardcore, studio one sounding rhythm. Yeah. Exactly. So guess what? You know, we really have to try and define, understand what we're talking about. Yeah. So while a couple of years ago them complained about the, what the youths want. Of course, the youth wants a Sizzler album. Mm. Of course, they want it. It's very popular. Everybody wants it. Yeah. Everybody loves it. So, it would tell me that what they push on the youths is what the youths have come to accept. Because there are lots of material like the Sizzler material that is out there, but really they don't play them. Mm-hmm. Really push what you call jump up music. Yeah. And that's what they force on the kids, and that's what the kids come to love. But if you if you if you did also even the balance and play more of like Sizzler, the youth would have loved it too, because of course they love Sizzler. So you, you understand what I'm saying? Totally, totally. Yeah. Whenever we tune into IRFM, we hear artists like Elephant Man all the time. Mm, yeah. And we never hear artists like Yami Bola. Yeah, you don't hear that. You don't hear D Brown. You don't hear Bob Marley. In Bob Marley country, hardly hear Bob Marley. That is how bad it really is. If I may speak the truth. Yeah, it is. Mm. So you think that the, the lyrical content of that, the conscious music holds it down as well? Or you think it, what, no, the conscious it music is there, but you see, w- what creates a problem is radio is not playing it, newspaper is not writing it. Right. Why is that, Jordan? Well, why do they prefer because that? the youths have gotten into this image of dancehall yeah. and the, the media, those who are in media today are also youths who don't know better. So it's like a bunch of idiots that stroll down a one-way street, mm-hmm. a dead-end street, um, pretty much. So I term it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's really bad, because if you read the paper every day, you see young kids writing up and complaining about the state of the music. Um, the music is not potent anymore. Dancehall or no dancehall, whatever they want to call it. It's not the potent music that we used to have anymore. It's like anything goes. Uh, apart from Elephant Man, Sean Paul, of course, um, Sizzler Capleton, Bojo Bantan is a real conscious DJ, mm. if you ask me. Um, not much else is happening. And I'm glad you're from Australia, and I don't know if you get a chance to listen to radio in other countries outside of Australia, apart from Jamaica. But there are many radio stations in Jamaica today, which thank God, because they make a big difference. But when it was pretty much two and three, it murdered the country. Now we have more stations, we started to get a wider collection of music being played, but for the most part, it's sad. Yeah. What about, um, it seems like there's a lot of American influence in the music now. Well, if you notice all the DJs, them wear um, basketball shirts, <laughs> like them live in the United States. Yeah. So it is very, 
you know, everybody wanted to be like R. Kelly and Jay-Z. And to me, that's disappointing as well. Yeah, because the, the American rappers want to be like us. <laughs> and we're trying to be like them. Well, it's crazy. And they just keep their own identity. <laughs> we're losing it. All right, well, um, talk about maybe about the Big Shift label now, your own label. When did that when did you start? Um, Big Shift started back in about 1989. We actually started a label. We've, we've released lots of stuff. Um, we've had a, a deal in Japan for many, many years yeah. where Sony releases our product. Then we, uh, we moved on from Sony and we had a company called Taichiko. We released our stuff as well. And so Japan is a country that we, we, we go to Japan so often every year. And um, we have a big following there. Right. And we release a lot of material there. In England, we used to release a lot of stuff. Um, kind of slowed down a bit, but in the last couple of years we've been busy touring and that didn't give us much time to spend in the studio. However, every year I still try to make sure I record an album. But in terms of producing, right now we've just bought a new 24-track um, machine and we're waiting on a board to come in now. And we're going to install a new board in the studio and just do some readjustments and get back to releasing material. Right. But we have loads of material inside, there, piles mm -hmm. of it. What was the decision? Why did you decide to start your own label? Because it, it just feel like the right thing to me. You know what I mean? Over the years, if you get up a record for everybody, at some point you want to have some recording on tapes for you too. And I always have that kind of vibe about me. So, you know, I never shot off an album. The reason why a lot of artists who are the main steer of our music industry is still not current today, because I, I, I could actually boast that I'm the youngest artist to have started, who is still the most current in 2003. Because yeah. I always have albums from 1963 to 2003. Mm. I always have an album, I always have a current single, always current mm. through every generation. It could be the same for Bob Andy and for Ken Booth and for Leroy Simmons and for John Wood and everybody else. But the difference is that I buy studio tape. You look in my tape room, piles of tapes. You know, because you don't wait on a producer to produce an album with mm. you. You know, mm. you, 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 if you have to do it, you, you have to do it. That's how you're going to stay there. And that's what I do. So I guess that makes a difference. Yeah. Excuse me one second, I just got to change the battery. I want to perform. Right? <coughs> you know? But then he's not consistent. Because mm. consistency is, is really the key to it all, you know. So yeah man, really, I mean, sometimes it amazes me too that, you know, I still have music, still have popular songs, still, still going, going, going. And the voice is still good too. A lot of older singers seem to lose the voice after. Uh, I eat a lot of sugar cane, you know. Sugar cane, that's so, good for the throat. I would tell anyone yes, in terms of that, I really think so. Tony. <laughs> I really think so. It's throat yeah, man. Yeah, I don't know. Would you like some sugar cane? Uh, I've got sore throat, so it will help. Then. Yeah, it would. What? Definitely, <laughs> man. Definitely, most certainly. Do you want us to wait here, Freddie? Huh? Wait here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, still talking about the um, big ship record label. Maybe ask you a couple of questions. As a producer, mm. what um, what work? I noticed you had Luciano CD here before, and you you were one of the first producers to work with Luciano. Right? Yeah, definitely. And uh, we had the first successful album with Lucy, Shake It Up Tonight. Right. And since then, 
Lucy has been one of the top artists. And we love that because that's what we work for, you know? When we find talents, that's what we work for, that they'll become successful. That the world can see that these are great artists. And Mikey Spice was one of the artists that we did some work with, too. Okay. Mikey Spice definitely became a success. And to me, that's, that's the essence of it, you know? To be able to identify good talent and work with them. And we have an artist called Limey. Lime is another young artist who is most talented. This is not Paul Murray? Yeah. Right. And him is one of the artists that I expect to come through as well. Okay. So him is one that you should look for. Okay, well, looking... that I come saying a fan, sir. Well, well, looking back over your career, obviously, four decades, a long, long time. Does anything personally, does anything stand out for you? in that time that you're most proud of? Any particular songs or things you've done? Yeah, a lot of things, man. Um, to name them now, why, is a task. Because um, Japan, we've had some great experiences in Japan. Um, Colombia, South America. I was one of the first artists I've gone into Colombia. And um, hence the reason I recorded a song called Guantanamera. And then, um, we went into Hopi Land and the Indian Reservation in Arizona. I was the first artist to have gone there and performed for the Indians. Since then, just about every reggae artist have performed there. Yeah, we've heard, we've heard a lot of people mention, mention performing there. Yeah. So you're one of the first. I am the first. Right. How did that come about? I'm just being on tour and people asked to perform there. We just took up the challenge. New venue, new place. Sorry. Hello? Hello? Yeah. Huh? You see us? Yeah, but you don't have enough papers. Alright, yeah, make you back when they come. Yeah. What is one, sir? What's that? What's that? Pause the tape for a second for me, please. Pause the tape. Okay. Well, one thing I want to ask you about is how you go about writing your songs. Obviously, hmm. there's a huge catalogue of tunes. How do you do? You sit down and write a song, or you go work with the rhythm first, or lately I work with the rhythm. Even the studio record a bunch of tracks, I pick the ones that sound like workable. Let's take up a pen and it's a done deal. I find it, I find writing very easy right now. Okay. If the rhythm, the, the tougher the rhythm track, the wickeder the song never write for it. It's, it's just a natural progression right now. And as an artist, I think one of the keys to be able to listen to the rhythm track and determine what song is going to fit. Yep. Because that's important. You know, sometimes a man make a culture tune on a, a song which should have been a love. And it don't come across the way it should and vice versa. So all those are important little notes. Yeah. With the, the subjects for your songs, obviously, um, like Dennis Brown, you've sung serious Rasta songs, you've sung lovers' tunes. Um, how do you decide what sort of song you're going to write? Does that come off the rhythm as well? Yeah, when I listen to the rhythm track, it determines. I determine what kind of song should go on the rhythm track. Yeah. What about Rasta Farah in your music? The Important, yeah. you know, from 1975, 
Piyamen bar Israel. When did, is that when you first saw up Rastafara in the mid-70s? Yeah, 74, 75. Um, and then start have a different outlook on life, pretty much. And our team was always Africa as a homeland. And we are fighting for that struggle. Yep. And it comes out in the music. Read the Bible. And of course, you hear that in other music too. So, and that still remains today too. Mm. Well, one song um, just recently that we've been playing on the radio in Australia is a tune called Uncle Sam. Woohoo! Can you tell us a little <laughs> about that song? I owe him, I owe him come from. I owe for food, him think he might come now. I owe you for your better girl and you go and like your name, Uncle Sam. Sham. <laughs> yeah, uh, again, again. Rhythm track versus what would sound good on the track. Yep. So Mafia and Fluxy make the track. And like Campbell brought me the track. I'm listening to it. I mean, say, you know, that track that sound like a track where I take a patwa lick, you know? Mm -hmm. Like a patwa hardcore yard thing. Yep. Yep. So I think up a chorus and it made sense. I who him, I where him come from. I who for food him think he might come near him. <laughs> where you find your better girl and you go and like your name, Uncle Sam. Sham. And then we have to make a song around that now. Because you have the chorus, yep. which is fine. So you can create a song. So that now is also another part of it. What am I going to start with? I'm going to start this song. I'm going to make this song really interesting. Yes. Yeah. And I say, well, you have no idea how long I want to talk to your lady. And I want to step on your toe so I can tell you pardon. So I'm going to get to talk to her, you know? The then I see enough brothers tearing in the garden. What I want them for now say we do the farming. So tell me, I who him. And the story, you know, people love that song so much because people get the gist of it. Yeah, and that has become one of our outstanding songs right now. Yes. I'm sure why it's every night, same way. Uncle Sam is a big tune, same speed. So, an piece when ready. Come on. So what do you, um, you've accomplished so much in the last several decades, what's left? What do you, where do you want to go from here? More what's album, more concerts, more production. Because yeah. it's about music. Music is my calling, mm -hmm. so I don't have anywhere else to go. You want to become a carpenter or a mason for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I go my music all the way through. And hopefully you know, we can just find new talents to produce as the year goes on and try to be able to make an album every year or two. And perform as long as we have the health and strength to do so. Yeah. All right. Well, um, is there any uh, message to wrap up, any message to pass on to all the people in Australia listening to this? People have been listening to your music. Yeah, I hope myself and Gumption will get to come to Australia to do a concert. So promoters, keep your ears open. We're looking forward to that. And um, hopefully the music will find its way into Australia, just like it has found its way into many other countries, and build and become... Um, a force within Australia and hopefully people like yourself who are good kids will try to promote the best of what's come out of Jamaica, you know? Yeah. As a lot of people tend to run with garbage mm. and it destroys the true essence of our music and culture. Yeah. So those who really love the music should, should seek to, to listen to the best of what comes out of the island and build from there on. Well, as someone with as much experience as you've got in music, who do you regard personally as the best in reggae music? Who do you have the most respect for in the business? <laughs> another way of looking at it. Respect comes in different ways. Mm. Respect for the music, respect for the person. But Dennis Brown, mm -hmm. 
is my long lasting brother and friend. And I don't that will that won't ever change. There are other artists like Barry Saman, who's one of the forerunners, and fall right up the line. So respect due to him. Um, Sugar Minot is one of the artists I respect. Unfortunately, Sugar not recording as much as he should. Johnny Asburn is another great artist. Um, doing may, may not be as popular as some of the other current artists, but those are some people who, oftentimes I hope, would come to the fore. Ernest Wilson is probably the greatest artist in Jamaica still, if you ask me. Greatest singer. Yeah. What, what makes you say that? Including myself, because he's the best. I have the best voice and he's the best singer. What makes you say that Ernest is, is such a good artist? Because he is. He can't beat the truth. Alright, right, Freddie McGregor, thank you very much for joining us here on Chant Down Babylon. It's yes, an honour and a pleasure. My respect. Enough love. Wicked. Ernest Will is not a wicked singer, man. Me know. For real, man. Yeah, including myself. Yeah. Tough fan, so. <laughs> I said the man do thing that the other night, man. And some woman at the front, I read me, I read another paper and then Kurt them, I tell them, I said, oh man, a woman there, they beg for marriage, I'm right, that's all. Hmm? Some girl, some girl cry out, I want one little thing with her, one little bank function. Man, come see me, man, I'll be sad, man, I'll be sad, man. Serious thing, man, I tell you. Talent. Serious something, I tell you, you know. Serious soul singer. Serious soul singer. Serious soul singer. Yeah. And besides, he's my teacher, because he's him teach me. I'm great. What years were you recording for Joe Gibbs? Oh man. I still can't find that film. That was 80s, ain't it? That was in the 80s, early 80s. Like what tunes? Um, Love at First Sight. Yeah, there's an album by that name, actually. Love at first sight. I've got, a, I've got an LP. Yeah. Uh, one side's Freddie, the other side's Dennis. That's a different one. And it's um, on the Joe Gibbs. Mm. I just wasn't sure if it was before. But those songs which... are from an album that Joe Gibbs released with me. Okay. Right. Um, and that was after Big Ship? After mm. the album? Okay. Yeah, that was right after Big Ship. I don't think I know that. I reckon those the rhythms of Big Ship are some of the best rhythms ever made in that those times. Mm. Tough rhythms. Mm. There's a new CD as well. That's out in England. If you get a chance to pick it up, you should. Yeah, the last CD nice I think I got would have been oh, anything for you. Yeah, yeah. With Uncle Sam. Mm. And the signature before that. Okay. So the music still reach out in the fans so yeah, this point what I'm yeah. saying now. Yeah, man, I'm glad to see the one So what do you think? What do you think about the sugar cane? Beautiful. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah it's the first. I had it last year. Oh, yeah, last okay. <laughs> <laughs> you want to sort through? I haven't coughed since. Oh, uh, yeah, man, it's good. It's good. I'm going to tell you, I'll remember the food. It's going to disappear in two days. It gets sort of stuck between your teeth, but I reckon it'll be good for your teeth as well. Mm. Yeah, it's good for your gums. Cleans your teeth, straighten your gums. Like a natural toothbrush. Yeah. 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 My fans ask me if I stand by enough for the next night, you know. 
Yeah, so you've got to install the 24 track. Almost 10 years. Wow. Mm. From here. Yeah. You the engineer as well? Hmm? Do you engineer? No, not, not really. There are too many good engineers here. Mm, yeah. But that's the frick of the while ago. And where is he? The frick of them drive up a while ago. Mm. But I was wondering if you could do a jingle for the radio show. Do you want to do it here or do it in the studio? There's no engineer around there, no. Mm. We might, might have to do it right now. Greetings, Massive. Greetings, level check, one, two. One, two, level check, one, two. So you go when you're ready. Greetings, Massive. This is Fred McGregor, and you're tuned in to Chant Down Babylon with Jesse I on 106.7 PBS FM, Melbourne, Australia. Don't even touch your dial. Keep it locked. One more right away. Greetings. This is Fred McGregor coming to you straight through from Kingston, Jamaica. And we big up Jesse I on 106.7 PBS FM with Chant Down Babylon. Melbourne, Australia, big things. One more. Oh, with Jesse I. A who him, a where him come from, a who for food, him think him a come yam, a where you for, you better galang, you go on like your name Uncle Sam, Sham. Yo, Massive, this is Fred McGregor. It's Chant Down Babylon with Jesse I and Ras. Crucial, man. But you can't edit it though, don't Yeah. Right, do it again. I'm just the last part so you can edit it. Yeah, wicked man. Then a big ship sailing on the ocean. Channel Babylon don't need no promotion. I be the big ship sailing on the ocean. Massive, this is Fred McGregor coming through to you straight from Jamaica. Channel Babylon with Jesse I and Ras Crucial. Crucial. Greetings, Massive. This is yours, Fred McGregor, and you're tuning in to Chant Down Babylon on 106.7 PBS FM, Melbourne, Australia. Freddie McGregor speaking from his home in Havendale, an uptown suburb of Kingston, back in July 2003. I returned to Freddie's house six years later in 2009 and it was a very different place. During that time, the dancehall world saw the rise of his son Stephen McGregor, aka The Genius, who became one of the biggest producers in Jamaican music while still a teenager. Stephen essentially took over the big ship studios and transformed it completely. It went from a nice, modest home studio to a state-of-the-art professional studio, complete with serious security gates out the front and the full entourage of hangers-on and aspiring artists trying to get a foot in the door. Another one of Freddie's kids came to fame in that time as well, the artist Chino. 
Both Chino and Stephen were super friendly every time I met them, but Freddie was never around again after uh, my first visit, and I never got another tour of the gardens and the bird cages. Before I wrap up this episode, I want to give a shout out to the first patrons of the podcast. Big up to the Don, the boss, the godfather, Matt Coughlin, aka Armageddon Time. Big up to the real General Joe, aka Empress Irie, and to the original General of the Million Flag Patriots, better known as Tom Tanaki. Shout out as well to Michaji Daniel Mathia, aka Big Ting. Big thanks for the support, everyone, and thanks for listening. Until next time, eyes is every time. Now here come the big sound from way down under, chant down at the name, see? Now Raskrushal, just say you don't have the big choice, so you know what for though. Melbourne, whole Australia, from McGregor, Diana, full speed. Run the track for them. Chant down won the keys to the city. We won the keys for the dance hall. We locked down Australia and the world. I tried this road both day and night And every morning as I rise I pray Never let no sound get in my way If you know say I chant down I praise And then they select I get to understand You're trying to ruin a chant down the plan But this time you won't get away Select I over there so I feel pay You know say chant down only keys for the city you know them cannot run no water pity Some boy could have huff him, could have puff you could have big till you boast Chant down at the big bad sound Again, me say chant down one the keys for the dance hall You know them cannot run no water pity Some boy could have huff him, could have puff you could have swell till you boast Chant down at the big bad sound Hey, hey I try to play the best dubs I can I try my best not to hurt no sound man Living and sticking to dub plate plants That's the way of a champion sounds Again, oh select I hear these words I say You better go down on your knees and pray So you can lift the spin another day Give thanks to chant down I say Now Farah, we want the keys for the city them know them cannot run no water pity And somewhere could have huff you, could have puff you, could have big till you boast Chant down at the big bad sound Again me say chant down on the keys for the dance hall You know them cannot run no water pity Somewhere could have huff you, could have puff you, could have swell till you boast Chant down at the big bad sound Amen Chant down you want the keys for the city